morning and welcome to Are You Up Babes? I'm so glad that you've joined me and my prayer is that you are living the best life and the most blessed life that Jesus died to give. And regardless of the challenges, let us always fix our eyes on Him and let us always focus on His Word that will bring us through trials and tribulations. This morning I want us to look at Hebrews chapter 10 and if we look at verse 19 onwards, it is a call for us to persevere. I really think that's a great message for us. It says that because of the blood of Jesus and his blood poured out for us at the cross, we can actually persevere. We can actually have victory in every area of our lives because of what the blood of Jesus has done for us. It goes on, I'm going to summarize the chapter today. It says Jesus opened a new and life-giving way for us through the curtain into the most holy place. So what God did was he tore that veil from the top to the bottom. It's the great hand of God that came down supernaturally onto this earth and tore that veil so that we would have access to him in the most holy place. God opened up and gave us access that we can walk into his throne room confidently that we can come to him whenever, wherever we can come before our God. And so verse 22 then goes on to tell us that we can go right into the presence of God with sincere heart. So it actually tells us how we can enter that presence. And it says with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. In other words, we can come to God without suspicion, without fear, without doubt, without questioning or without arguments in our head. We can come before God trusting him without being fearful, confidently. You know, when you're stepping into a place where you know you're going to have the answer, where you know you are safe and secure, where you know that no harm can come to you, that you will have an answer, that nothing is impossible for your daddy in heaven. We can come like that confidently where we know we can come to our father who's going to give us exactly what we need, peace. He's going to help us if there's stuff in our hearts that need to be sorted out. We can enter his presence with thanksgiving and praise coming with a sincere heart, fully trusting him. And, and then it says, even our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with the blood to make us clean. Now, in the Old Testament, whatever they sprinkled with the blood of animals was now cleaned. That's how they cleanse the altar, for example. But it tells us that the blood of bulls and lambs cannot cleanse our consciences. And it can't. I mean, you can't sprinkle blood on your conscience. But when Jesus' blood was shed for us and the victory claimed for us at the cross, the Bible says his blood sprinkled our consciences that we are now cleansed. Now think about that. That was a supernatural thing that God did. That the regret of our past, the pain of our past, the shame, the mess ups, the mistakes. You know, you come to God with all of that. You lay it down at the foot of the cross. You make the exchange, all our mess ups for his holiness. We make an exchange. That blood that redeemed us, we make the exchange. And then a supernatural thing happens that God cleanses our consciences. We have been washed clean. In fact, the verse goes on to say, and our bodies have been washed clean with pure water. In other words, 
The past is gone. The mess-ups of the past are really in the past. And you are a new creation, a new person, truly and completely. You can now go forward doing the purposes of God, doing His will for your life without shame of the past because you are not that person. And so you are able to fulfill His mission over your life without the shame of the past because He has cleansed your conscience. Now what happens? The devil comes to whisper into your ear about your past to condemn you. But we've got to remember that we have been washed clean. We are clean and we have got to remember there is no condemnation. We cannot allow the devil to remind us about something that's not there because it's been washed clean. There's no more filth. There's no more dirt. It's an incredibly beautiful supernatural gift from God to us. Verse 23 says, so let us hold tightly without hastening to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise that's so beautiful you know when I was a little girl I can remember going to the rancho or you know to a fun fair where they have roller coasters and you sit in that roller coaster and it whizzes around and you hold tightly in fact I remember holding on for my dear life convinced that if I did not hold on tightly I would go flying out of that cot And that's what God is saying. You need to hold on tightly to him without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. God can be trusted. That's why we can enter his throne room with sincere hearts, completely trusting him. That's why we can do it. Verse 24 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Now, this is quite amazing because think of it, your thinking is always thinking. But now the Bible's telling us about what we should be thinking about. Instead of thinking about, I can't pay the rent. How am I going to do this? I'm so worried. I'm so concerned. All of that thinking, which it's not godly. It's not drawing us closer to God. It's putting us in a place of lack of trust or fear. And God is now, through his word, telling us, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So it's not gossiping. It's not slandering it's not unkind things but it's now us thinking the right way how can I motivate people to love and do good works and we've always got to start with ourselves because we are an example so it's thinking and being creative to do good works and you know I want to say to you it always starts at home anything you want to change starts in your own home it starts in your own home maybe you're going now How do I think of acts of love and good works in my own home? Well, maybe it starts with the way you speak to one another. And don't go, yeah, but you must hear how they speak to me. The Bible is speaking to us when we change. Everything changes and we've got to look at ourselves. So it starts with how we speak to others in our home. Acts of kindness take place in a home where you can make someone a cup of coffee, where you can wipe the countertops, where you can assist with dishes or cooking or cleaning your own room. If you're a guy, pick up a hanger and hang your shirt. There's a great start. Some of you do not know that hangers and shirts go together. That's a great start. Really, good works start in your own home with yourself. And then when you do that, it's like 
throwing a rock or a pebble into a river, you see the ripples as they begin to get bigger and bigger and eventually they reach out to the edge of the lake or the pool or whatever you throw it into. That's what it's about, that we do acts of love and good works starting with ourselves, but also that it would motivate others. When others are sitting talking to us about how they have issues with people, we need to think about and be creative to motivate them to acts of love and good works. And then it says in verse 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of the Lord is drawing near. I want to tell you an incredible story of a missionary who went to China. There were 22 people who were sitting quietly, secretly as he was ministering and preaching and teaching them. He said to them as he started, I want to ask you a question. What would happen if the police walked in and found us? The authorities walked in and found us and they said, well, you would be deported back to your country and we would be imprisoned for three years. And he said, wow. And he said to them, and how many of you have been imprisoned? And 18 out of the 22 raised their hands. And he said, wow. He asked them, of all the people you oversee, how many do you oversee? In other words, how many Christians are you all looking after? Are you discipling? Are you teaching? They began to discuss a little bit and then they began to count. And then they said to him, in total, a little over 20 million people. Wow. He then had 15 Bibles with him. There were 22 people. He handed out the Bibles and he watched as the Bibles went out, knowing that seven people would not have a Bible. He then said to them, we're going to read out of 2 Peter chapter 1. And he noticed a lady pass her Bible to the person next to her. He thought that was interesting. He understood why as they began to read together, she could recite the passage perfectly by heart. In the break, he went to her and he said to her, I noticed that you recited that passage by heart. Where did you learn to do that? She said to him, in prison. She said to him, in prison, you have plenty of time to memorize. And he said to her, but the Bibles are confiscated. She said, yes, but we get visitors who write the Bible on pieces of paper and bring it to us. And he said to her, but don't those pieces of paper also get confiscated? And she said, yes, that's why we have to memorize really quickly. Because if they find it, they can take the paper away, but they can't take away what's in your heart. After three days, he said to them, what can I pray for you? And they said to him, oh, you guys are free in your country to gather. You guys are free to worship. Pray that we would be like you. And he said to them, I cannot and I will not. With big eyes, they looked at him and they said, why not? And he said to them, you traveled for 13 hours by train to get here. In my country, if you have to travel for more than an hour, people won't go to church. He said, you sat here on a hard wooden floor for three days. In my country, if people have to sit more than 40 minutes, they walk out. 
He said, not only did you sit on a hard wooden floor for three days, but you sat in a place without air conditioning. He said, if the pews are not padded and air conditioned, people don't come. He said, in my country, there are an average of two Bibles in every household and they don't get read. You hardly have Bibles and you memorize them from pieces of paper. I will not pray that you become like us. I will pray that we become like you. Wow. Doesn't that testimony put everything into perspective for us as Christians? You know, the devil fears connection. He hates connection and he fears it. His ultimate aim is to cut you off from God. His ultimate aim is to cut you off from God. He throws tribulations and stuff in your face, circumstances, and you blame God and cut yourself off from God. It is exactly what the devil wants you to do. When life gets hard, you should hold firmly, clutching tightly, unswervingly trusting God, holding on to his promises, as the word says. The devil tries to split marriages friendships, churches, denominations, and divide people. He wants to isolate people. And you know, although our culture is more connected than ever before through the internet, through phones, through social media, people are more isolated than ever before. People are lonelier than ever before. People go, but I can see family overseas. You're disconnected. There's no real relationships. There's quick connections, but nothing deep. And we think we can have a quick connection with God and it doesn't have to be deep, but it doesn't work like that. Christianity is work. And you know, when we come to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we come in that moment accepting and receiving him by faith, knowing all our mess ups, all our mistakes, and we allow him to wash us clean. What I've noticed is that as people go on in their faith, they become hard, they become bitter because of circumstances, and they stop holding on firmly. And they say, yeah, I'll never get this right. Oh, this is so hard. That is not conversation for a Christian. Something has gone wrong because it is work and we need to not have a quick connection with the Lord, but we need to come into that holy place confidently, come to God with sincere hearts, trusting him and allowing him to do the work that is needed inside of us. And it is always good to come to God with a repentant heart saying, Lord, I have lost my trust in you. Lord, I have blamed you. Lord, I have been bitter. Lord, I have been full of unforgiveness. Forgive me. Today I repent and I come to you and I allow you to do the work in me you first did. Where your blood sprinkled me and washed me clean. It was once and for all time. Forgive me, Lord, that I walked away. Help me to hold on firmly to your promises, speaking of them as if they are already there and trusting you with all of my heart. Because you are holy, I am holy. The devil, his lies do not speak louder than God's word unless you allow them to. 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You get to choose which one you listen to more. I want to encourage us as Christians to hold on unswervingly to the hope that we have. We can hold on to his promises for he is faithful. And what Jesus did for us, he is so faithful. He loves us so much. You know, the Bible speaks about loving God by loving people. Don't forsake God and don't forsake people. We cannot live isolated because when we live isolated, we're in disunity. You know what I've noticed is there is so much social stuff happening, but there is more confusion than ever before because people are listening to a hundred voices of people they don't know, a hundred voices, but they have forsaken the place where we gather to hear the word of God that takes away all confusion. I want to encourage you, do not forsake the gathering and do not forsake God. It's not a quick connection. It's keeping our eyes fixed on him for he is faithful. Amen. Can I encourage you? Can I encourage us to do that, to draw closer to an ever loving God more than ever before? Amen. Let us pray together. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word that encourages us. Thank you for testimonies that give us perspective and draw us closer to you. Forgive us, Father, for when we have taken you for granted, when we have taken your word for granted, when we have forsaken church because we've taken it for granted, draw us close to you. Oh God, help us to fix our eyes on you. Help us to be creative in our thinking to love people, to motivate people and to help them to do good works. Let it start with us in our own homes. And Father, draw us together. I know your word says that where there is unity is your blessing. You bless that. Father, let us receive your blessing as we stand together united. For we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. May God bless you. Thank you for joining me. Mm -hmm.